Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey guys, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's Cyber Church message. I am telling you, I love going to church with the whole wide world like we do every single week. You know, it is amazing how many millions of people across the world are being influenced uh, by this message of God's love, of God's goodness, of God's grace, of faith righteousness. I am telling you, people respond incredibly to the gospel, but they, they hate religion. I remember one time I had been, I don't remember what country I'd been in, but I'd been, you know, doing crusades out in the jungles. And so I was, I was on a plane coming back, and there was a guy sitting beside me, extremely religious guy. And, and so uh, I noticed, you know, he was reading the Bible. So he, he asked me, you know, where I'd been. I told him. He said, well, what were you doing there? I said, oh, I was there sharing Jesus, love of God. He said, really? And he said, so how did people respond to you? And I said, they, they responded very well. He said, so do you get a lot of rejection and persecution when you go into these other countries? I said, no. As a matter of fact, I don't. I nearly never do. I said, you know, I'll have the odd situation where maybe witch doctors or somebody like that or, or communists fighting in the hills, you know, are try, you know the, they want to get rid of me. I said, but you know, the truth is the people, they accept me, they accept the gospel. And he said, well, that's strange. He said, because I get persecution all the time. I said, well, you know, the difference is whether or not you're preaching religion or whether or not you're preaching the gospel. The word gospel means good news. If it's not good news, it is not the gospel. And we're supposed to be preaching the gospel, the good news about the kingdom, the good news about the cross, the good news about salvation. And so, you know, the world is, is incredibly turned off to religion. They're turned off to the abuses that they see. The, the world relates to religion much the same way they relate to government. You know, at some point in time, you know, you know, the government and religion are there to serve us. They're there to, you know, the government's there to serve citizens, and, uh, and Christianity or, or faith is there to serve the believers. But somehow, anything that you leave in this planet long enough eventually becomes a way for individuals to get power, for individuals to get control of people, to start making money off of people. And so, you know, I was, I was in, a, in a conversation this morning with a publisher, and he and I were talking about it, and I was telling him about a training program that I had years ago for ministers, and we call it Relevant Ministry. And the reality of it is people will only go so long uh, doling out money, uh, going and sacrificing pretty much a, a day or two a week, uh, if it's not relevant to their real-life situations. And the only way, once people start realizing, and that's the number one reason, by the way, that people stop going to church, stop participating in things of God, they're, they're not turned off with God, they're turned off with religion. And so, you know, who wants to go spend time and money to do something that is not relevant? It makes no difference in your daily life. And that's one of the ways that you can identify, and you know, if, if it's not relevant in your daily life, it may not be that you're hearing the wrong message. You can't blame that on the church or you can't blame that on the preacher. You have to say, okay, 
am I am I hearing something and am I taking my responsibility as a believer, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus, and am I am I putting this to practice in my life and getting to experience God's processes for living an incredible life? Well, you know, that's kind of what this series is all about. You know, remember the name of this series, if you if you're just joining me, it's called Above, Never Beneath. The the uh the biblical process for always winning. People hear a title like that immediately. You think, oh, this is a con artist. Man, this is like, this is easy believism. This is like the prosperity message. No, actually it's not. This is a message about personal responsibility and walking a path wherein you always win. It's an amazing thing. The Bible says that in the path of righteousness. I'm not talking about the legalistic righteousness. I'm not talking about something where you're working hard to earn something from God. But it says in the path of righteousness, and righteousness, as much as anything, is about harmonizing with God, becoming one with God. And so it says in the path of righteousness, uh, there is life and no death. So there's a path, a process, a way of life that God says in that process, there's not going to be any death and destruction. There's not going to be suffering and sorrow. There's going to be nothing but life. And whether you're looking at the Hebrew word for life or you're looking at the Greek word for life in the New Testament, it's talking about a quality of life. And Jesus came that we might live life to the fullest, but it's all about, it's all about becoming one with him, connecting to God, and trusting and following him through life. It's, it's really pretty much that simple. So, so the, you know, today's message is called, Does Everything work for my good. You know, really, I want it to call this, it would, it would have been made it too long. It's already too long of a title. But really, it might be more like, does everything really work for my good? Now, one of the things that happens, and what, this is one of the reasons that people lose confidence in God, they lose confidence in, in their leaders, is because this is one of those scriptures that very few people read it all that, and bring it into context. Or really, you know, a lot of times leaders who want a good, positive message, they just leave out all the parts that have anything to do with personal responsibility. They leave out anything ab about what our part is. Now, our part doesn't mean, again, that we're trying to force God to do something. It's not our way to manipulate God. It's not our way to pressure God. It is just our way to walk with Him. Everything that God called us to do all the way from the, the beginning, you know, the Old Testament, People say the Old Testament was, is fear-based and New Testament's love-based. Well, I got news for you. Whoever says that really doesn't understand the Old Testament and may not even really understand the New Testament. God has never been a fear-based God. As a matter of fact, one of the things that God told the children of Israel whenever he brought them out of Egypt is, look, you, I, I'm holy. That word holy doesn't mean, I'm, you know, it's not talking about flawless. God is flawless. But it's talking about the fact, and the word holy means not common or uncommon. He says, look, I'm uncommon. I'm not like the gods that you have believed in. I'm not like the pagan gods. I am not like these entities and these religions that hold you captive through fear and dominate and control your life and, and, and punish you all the time when things go wrong. So he says, he says, I'm not like that. And he said, and you've got to be holy. If you're going to walk with me, if you're going to walk with a God that's good and always good, if you're going to walk with me as a God who is going to be a father to you and love you, you, got, you cannot bring any of those beliefs into your faith. You cannot corrupt your faith with anything that would make you believe I am not, in fact, a good God. So, you know, the, the, the Hebrew believers, they really never actually worked that into their belief system. They, 
They held on to the leaven of religion and the world system, and they took everything God said and turned it into dead works and, and fear-based. But God never said that. But the thing is, once, once the Hebrews turned that into a fear base, then, then everything they wrote, this, their scholars wrote down through history, most of it was fear-based. And it got so bad that, you know, and by the way, stop and think about this. Once you come to believe something, that affects the way you interpret what you read. So once you become to believe something about God, you will, you will superimpose your beliefs, your doctrine, your theology onto the character and the nature of God, and you will twist everything you read and understand it in a way to fit your paradigm of God instead of letting God, you know, trusting who God says he is and following that model. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he said, you know, the Bible says uh, uh, that no man had ever seen God. And I always tell people this, it's like, look, it doesn't matter how great of a teacher anybody was, including Moses. It doesn't matter. They had never really seen God face to face. They had never fully understood the goodness of God. And so, and so it had gotten to such a degree that the Hebrews, they were more about the Talmud and about other writings than they were about the Bible. So they didn't read the Bible and seek God and say, okay, Holy Spirit, teach me like, you know, like you're supposed to. And they didn't open their heart up to God. They immediately interpreted what God said based on these religious writings. And I'm not saying they're all bad. Man, you can learn a lot about language through the Talmud, through the, these ancient writings. But the problem is you can't learn about the character and the nature of God. You might to some degree, if you, if you happen upon a good writer, that's not all legalistic based. So, so the problem was nobody that was teaching the Bible had ever seen God. They had never understood the, the nature and the character of God. So Jesus comes, and he has come. The Bible says that he is the Word made flesh. So it's, so it's like he's saying, everything that God has ever spoken, I'm going to show you what it will look like in real life, in real application. And so if you want to know God, this is why you can only know God through the Lord Jesus Christ, by looking at his life, by looking at his ministry, the way he treated people. Uh, he showed us the exact character and nature of God. And so we really never, ever have to be confused. But here's the deal. You also have to realize the moment you come up with any kind of a doctrine, any kind of a theology, any kind of a, any kind of a, of a philosophy that defines or describes the character and nature of God different than Jesus portrayed it, then you are rejecting Jesus. I mean, you're not rejecting him totally, but you're rejecting Jesus. And to some degree, you're rejecting God's testimony of himself. Therefore, you can't believe the truth because you're believing something other than the truth, which means you can never experience the promise that God makes uh, because you're going to turn it into dead works. You're going to turn it into legalism. You're going to turn it into religious performance or who knows, or into some kind of liberalism or who knows what you're going to turn it into. But, uh, you know, in Romans 8, verse 28, we, we, we have a scripture, and part of that scripture says all things work together for good to those who love God. Now, this scripture gets quoted and taken out, of, it gets lifted out of the scriptural context, and it's quoted and it says, see, all things work for good. And so this becomes twisted. I mean, I'm telling you, this becomes so corrupt and so twisted because then people start saying, okay, I, I had a daughter die recently. So, so you know, God 
all things work to good. So God must have killed her for a reason. So number one, they're blaming God. You know, did you ever, ever one time see Jesus walk up to somebody that was just hanging on by a thread and say, you know what, die. He didn't, he didn't ever do that. Did you ever see Jesus, when somebody would approach him that needed help and ministry, say, you know what, you, you need to go suffer some. And when you suffer enough, come back and then I'll teach you. And so how can we say that if Jesus is the perfect exact image and representation of God, how in the world could we put all that in there that is absolutely not there? So when I look at the fact that Jesus healed every sick person that came to him that would believe, then I have to realize it's always God's will to heal if people believe for themselves. Every time somebody came and they needed deliverance then what'd they get? They got deliverance. If somebody came and they needed, you know, peace, whatever, whatever they needed that was based on uh, the character and nature of God, the promises of God, they always received. So the message, I can't get a message then that says, that says, you know, well, you, you go suffer and come back to me. Can't do that because Jesus never did that. If the moment I start painting any kind of a doctrinal picture of God that is different from what Jesus showed me, I, I, I'm in trouble. And I am not going to be able to receive what God has for me. So people lift this verse out, all things work together for good. Well, all things don't work together for good. That's not what that scripture says. And the moment you lift it out of context, you are now in doctrinal error. And you're going to start expecting everything to work out for good. And that means you've either got to believe that God is a bad God and that God uses suffering, God uses pain, God uses punishment, all of these kinds of things that Jesus never did one time. You're going to start believing that, and you're going to start making the Bible say that because you've got to justify why things aren't working good. And you've got to convince yourself that somewhere down the road, all this horrible stuff that happens to you is God's will and God's using it. That is not what this scripture says. It says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So there are two qualifying factors here for everything working to your good. One is that you love God. And two is that you recognize and accept the call that he has on your life. Now, I remember one time I went out and there was a lady in one of my churches that I pastored and her husband, you know, he was, he was a good man. He was a moral man. He was an ethical man. But every time, you know, somebody would talk to him about Jesus uh, because of what religion had told him, he would say, you know, I can't get saved because I don't love God. And so, man, she wanted to see her husband come to the Lord. So I went out to the house one night. I, I prayed about a week before I went. And, and uh, so, so I got to the house, and, and we were, I, you know, I made sure that she was going to be gone, so it would just be me and him. So I started talking to him, and I got down and began to lead, you know, lead him through the process of uh, inviting Jesus into his heart as Lord. He said, I can't get saved. I said, really? I said, well, why is that? And I said, he said, because I, I don't love God. I said, really? What made you think you had to love God? In order to get saved, he said, "Well, that, that's what everybody, that's what every preacher has told me. Every time I've gone to church, every time I've gone down to an altar call, every time I, you know, every time I wanted to pray with somebody, he wanted Jesus in his life, but he wasn't going to be a liar or a hypocrite." He said, "I, I don't love God." I said, "Well, of course you don't love God." I said, "You don't even know him. You can't love somebody that you have not met." And so, and remember, faith works by love. The word faith means trust. That's all it means. It doesn't. It's not all this nonsense that has been taught to us for the last 50 or 60 years. Faith means trust. 
You will trust somebody that you know loves you, but you have to have some experience with that. That's experiential love. That's where you you feel valuable. You feel precious. You understand how you know how much God is for you. How how God is is never ever against you. Never ever going to hurt you. And so, when we are born again, and you know, getting born again just starts with okay. Here's the scripture. Are you willing to believe it and start here? And well, and, and the truth is, this is you know, the Bible doesn't say to go out and make converts. It says to go make disciples. You know, I. I pastored the last church that I, local church that I pastored, I pastored for that particular church for about 30 years. And uh, I, I didn't, I never kept up with this kind of stuff. We had staff members that chose to keep up with it. I didn't ask them to. I never, I've never been a person who counted a lot of numbers and, you know, and wanted to tout a bunch of numbers. But in that period of time, we had about 10,000 first-time converts um, that gave, surrendered their life to Jesus as Lord. But the interesting thing was, in all those years, I never preached a salvation message, not one time. I always preached a discipleship message, and I would, I would take the Word of God, and I would share it with people and make it relevant, show them how it would work in their life, how it would benefit their life, how it would help them with their kids, how it would help them with their marriage, how it would help them with their stress levels, all that kind of stuff. And so when people began to see that the Word of God was relevant, that it was practical, that it made incredible differences in their life, then the more they experienced that, the more they started having trust for God and for His Word. And they started realizing that God didn't want them to be legalists, that God didn't want them to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. He wanted a relationship. And so most of these 10,000 people that gave their life to the Lord, they got saved because I started them on a journey of being disciples not on a journey of being Christians. You know, I, I hate the word Christian. You know, the word Christian, God never called us Christians. Now, people will fight with me about that. And it's like, look, go to the book of Acts, and I think it was in Antioch, if I remember correctly, that the lost people began to call the church Christians, which it wasn't a complimentary term. And, but the, the concept of being a Christian, it means nothing. God called us sons. He called us daughters. He called us believers. He called us disciples. All of the things that God called us were very functional and very relational, and, uh, uh, but he didn't call us Christians. And so, so people, would, people would give their life to Jesus and become disciples. They would start following him. They would start realizing God and his truth is the source. I can look to Jesus and see that God always, everything he ever said, everything he ever promised, he did it from the basis of showing us love, of showing us kindness, of giving us freedom and helping us. And, uh, and so, you know, it just immediately people begin to value God. Well, the word value, or the word love, excuse me, in the Greek is the word value. To consider something precious, to consider something valuable, to hold in high regard. And they started realizing, first of all, that God valued them and, 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 this is why he gave this truth, and, and this is why he sent Jesus. And because all of these other things in their life would work when it came to believing that they could be born again through the Lord Jesus, they were, it was easy for them to believe because they'd already experienced the love of God. So, so the first thing is, you know, maybe we need to, I, I mean, I'm not against winning converts. I'm, I get the opportunity, and the Lord impresses me. I'm telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to witness to people. And I'm going to try to lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ in a firm commitment. 
But you also have to realize that if love is not the factor, if they're just you know, making a decision because of crises or something like that, when the crisis is gone, the need for God is gone, and so, so is their faith. So the first thing he says is things work together for good, for good for those who love the Lord. Now, let me also mention this. Man, I don't know how far I'll be able to get in this. I may have to break this up into a couple of sessions. But you also have to realize, and I talked about this in last week's message, about how that God wants to take the written word of God, which is available to everybody. And to some degree, everybody can grasp the written word if they want to, unless they're fighting against it or trying to disprove it. But, uh, but what God wants to do with you in your personal life is he wants to, wants to have an intimacy with you. He wants, he, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be your teacher. He would be your coach. He would be your tutor. And he would teach you everything that Jesus taught you. And the marvelous thing is, is that he teaches us how to apply it to our life for whatever situation we're facing right now. You know, I was in a, in a situation not too long ago where we had about $4 million, $4.5 million worth of property. We only owed about $900,000. And suddenly, man, our mortgage holder, our lender, started requesting crazy stuff and placing all kinds of demands on us that never made any sense whatsoever. And so I was praying about it. And I was thinking, what is, what is going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. You know, a lot of banks love it. When you got four and a half million dollars worth of property and you only owe about eight or nine hundred thousand dollars, because if they can come up with a legitimate way to repossess your property, they just made three and a half million dollars. And I thought, surely to goodness, this is a Christian, this is a Christian mortgage company. Uh, and I thought, surely to goodness, these people are not this corrupt. And so I was praying about it, and I remembered a guy that had worked there a few years before. And I got to digging through, you know, my, my, my computer contacts, and there, there, he, there his cell number was. I thought, well, he may not even have that cell number, but I'm going to try it. Called him. Sure enough, he answers the phone. And I told him what's going on. I said, now, I believe they're trying to steal my property. And he said, I can't ethically answer that question for you. He said, but I can tell you that's what banks all over America are doing right now. And so... And so I go to God and say, God, I, I don't have $900,000 to, you know, to pay this property off. And so, yeah, I'm praying. So God speaks to me about a businessman to go to. And I go to that businessman. I said, look, I owe $900,000 on my property. I said, you know, we've done a lot of business before. Will you, own, will you loan me $900,000? He said, I can't. He said, it's just not a good investment for me. And so I leave and come home. I'm like, God, I thought you wanted me to talk to this guy. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, you know what? Take whatever he offers. And I knew he was going to offer me for a half, you know, 50% of the value because that's what you do on a quick sale. And so I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to do it. So I go back to the guy and I said, what will you give me for my property? He said, I'll give you $450,000. I said, well, will you give me $450,000 and then pay off the rest of my mortgage and you hold the balance of that mortgage for me? He said, I'll do it. So we made the deal. And so in a week, I was free from, from that bank. I was so glad. I mean, they were driving me crazy. And so uh, then you know, I'm praying. I'm like, I, I'm like Lord, so I, I've done this. How is this going to help me get debt free? Because I really felt like the Lord wanted us to get debt free. And so the Lord spoke to my heart and said, look, now show people how your debt is going down. And they will see that you're serious about that. And they'll start helping you. You know, sure enough, 
I started, I started uh, letting people know how much our debt had gone down. You know, we only owed about uh, uh, 400 and something thousand dollars. And uh, whereas, you know, a week before we owed nearly a million dollars. And, you know, a year or two before that, we owed, you know, several million dollars. And uh, so when people saw that this was our debt was going down, they saw that we were serious about it. Well, you know what happened? People started giving. And within just probably about 30 days or so, we were completely debt free. Now, all of that happened, not because I'm a smart businessman, that happened because I hear, I know, I recognize, and I trust the voice of God whenever he speaks to me. Now, by the way, let me mention this before we run out of time. Uh, remember, I've got an audio series, six messages, and I always create an audio series for people who are ultra serious, people who really want to be disciples, people who really want to make this journey with God. And you can purchase that online and have it and start following along and doing all of the exercises because I always provide heart work exercises in all of my audio series. And so not only are you making an incredible investment in yourself, you know, I put everything I can into these online videos, but you know, there's just so much that people want. But there are people who say, you know what, I'm a disciple. I'm, I'm not just a hearer. I am a doer. I'm a disciple. And so and so then when you make that investment in yourself, we take those financial resources and we invest them in our outreach, which we got outreach going all over the world. So, so, so the first thing that you start realizing is that, is that um, this starts with really having a love connection with God. And remember, faith works by love, which means you trust the people that you know love you because you know they won't hurt you they won't do bad things to you so so this this all starts out everything working together for our good you're not earning this because you're seeking an intimate relationship with god but this is what comes out of an intimate relationship you know you know i've got friends man that are i mean are dedicated loyal friends and i can call them up anytime and say you know what i, I need some advice I, I i need some input and we'll talk and because of our friendship, they'll give me their input, but because of their character, because I know who they are, I know they would never do anything to hurt me, then we can, I can trust them and I can trust their input and I can solve my problems because I, I have faith. I have trust for these people because I know their character first and foremost. And then secondly, because I have a relationship that has always proven that they always have my best interest. Well, see, the problem is we think God doesn't have our best interest. We think God kills our kids, you know, causes us to lose our job, drags us through hardship, all that stuff to teach us something so we'll, you know, so we'll grow up spiritually. I got news for you. There is not one evidence of that anywhere in the Bible unless you lift scriptures out of context, unless you deny the names of the Lord God. Unless you deny the life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you can't come up with that hardship makes you grow because it doesn't make you grow. I'll tell you what God wants to do. He wants to have a relationship with you where the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart. The Holy Spirit takes the scripture uh, based on how Jesus taught it and brings that alive inside you. And suddenly you get the wisdom of God, which shows you how to put this stuff into practice in real life in whatever situations you're facing now. Now, I'm going to, listen, I'm going to go on with this next week, and I'm telling you, you're going to find some incredible freedom in that. Be sure and share this with your friends. P 
people that you know are struggling and thinking that God's hurting them and being mean to them, share this with them because I got news for you. It will change their lives. It will open the doors. And by the way, be sure and check out our website, impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. We got, we got over 200 video series that are there for you for free because we want to make investments in your life. Also, if you want to check out what we're doing around the world, uh, we are starting hundreds of Bible schools around the world. And uh, we, we, call the people, we call the people that financially share in this journey, we call them world changers. You may want to check it out and become a world changer. God bless you. I will be talking to you next week. I'm telling you, it gets better every week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.